Hey everyone, welcome to Superwomen. Today's guest is Kelly Mee Lee. She is a Chinese American serial entrepreneur, film producer, and investor. She is notably known as the executive producer and star of Bling Empire on Netflix and executive producer of Cypher, an FBI decoding series with Sonar Entertainment. The list goes on. Uh, I got hooked on Bling Empire months ago, and I was so excited when you reached out. So welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. I'm really excited to be here. Let's start with your early days. What drew you to the film and media industry? Was it something you always knew you wanted to participate in? It wasn't something that I grew up wanting to do. I think for me is that being an entrepreneur at an early age, I've always kind of hustled my way up. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I think naturally you got very you know in, integrated into the industry. And the more I started learning about media and film and television, the more hooked I was because there's such an amazing way to tell stories and share stories that people don't normally know about. So I slowly got hooked into it and I just, it's, I have so much passion for the industry. So one thing that I'm sure you get asked a lot on Bling Empire, it's very much downplayed that you're an executive producer. I mean, I wouldn't have even known unless, you know, you read the credits, which I don't know how many people watch. And it and it, it sort of is, at least how I viewed it is like painted you as this, oh, this just happened. But clearly you've worked your ass off to get to where you've gotten to. So I'm just curious about how you decided to shape your sort of role on Bling Empire and how much of that is real, how much of that is like, okay, this is better for the story. Mm -hmm. So I'm normally a a scripted producer and with scripted, there's a middle, you know, beginning, middle and end where unscripted, it's really depending on where the story takes you. Um, You know, yes, I helped put together this project from the beginning. Um, I actually spent about five years working on this project before it got greenlit for Netflix, but it really takes a huge army. Uh, When I partnered up with Jeff Jenkins, who uh, executive produced, you know, the Kardashian Simple Life Mariah Carey show, um, he really took it to another level. And during that time, I really wasn't planning to be on camera because I've always been behind the camera and I'm actually more comfortable there. I'm actually, you know, I'm actually really shy. Um, but you know, because these are all my group of friends and friends I have relationship with for many years, Jeff and the other producers at Netflix, like it doesn't make sense if you're off camera. So then I decided to be on camera. But when I went on camera, I pretty much stepped back from all the creative role um, with Bling Empire just because it wouldn't be fair for the other cast. So I actually didn't see the cut um, at all in editing. Um, I the first time I saw the shows exactly when everybody the whole world saw it um, it was a little challenging at the beginning because as a producer you kind of tend to have a control over your project so it was yeah. a very personal challenge for me to let go of control and be completely vulnerable and I learned a lot from this process how did you release control because I feel like as someone who probably has more innate knowledge of what's going on and and what storylines might resonate. How did you let that go? Because I feel like that would be really hard. You know, this project to me was very personal just because, you know, this is one of the first all Asian cast uh, show in for Unscripted. And we have such a low representation. And for us, you know, because I fought so hard for five years for um, to get this show made, it's very personal for me. And I know that we have one shot and to show, you know, Hollywood and today's still business. We want to show them that, hey, 
we're we we're still we can still make money and we can still be successful even if it's an all Asian cast show. So for me, it's bigger than myself. And you know, and I think again, I'm I'm just I'm really grateful for this challenge because overcoming this challenge by fully immerse myself in experience, but also stay true to who I am. Was such a big reward because I've just again I learned so much about myself that I didn't even know before, and I didn't I if you asked me this five years ago I'm like there's no way I could have done this so I'm just really happy. Tell me what you learned. Like what were some of the things that surprised you? Um, I think the biggest thing that kind of came out of season one for me was my mental health journey. Uh, mental health is not something that we talk about in the Asian community. Um, we tend not to speak up about. You know our problems. Uh, we call it "quote unquote." You're hiding your, you know, you hide your dirty laundries, and we. I've never learned that. I, I never learned therapy was okay to go to. So you know, my first therapy session was the one that everybody saw. <laughs> you know, Umbling Empire. Um, but you know that, and but that kind of really kickstarted my own personal health journey. Um, you know, for mental health, and um, ever since then, uh, after the show, you know, wrapped. I really spend more time learning about it, reading books, and then going to more therapy sessions, and then also um, connecting with groups online and looking at even watching YouTube, listening to podcasts. I just realized there's so much knowledge out there, and I really started taking more time getting to know myself and doing more self care and setting boundaries. It's all tools I've never learned, um, and it's just funny because I'm in my 30s now and I'm just learning this stuff that people might have learned in other cultures at a way younger age. You know, I was just about to say before learning it at a younger age that I I think you learn it with age. Mm-hmm. You know, I I feel like that journey for me probably started in your 30s, but I think it comes with a certain level of maturity. Like I don't know that I don't know. That's just an, an interesting thing that it might it might be that like I think Gen Z does mm-hmm. a good job of doing it now. But yeah. prior to that, like our gen I'm I'm in my 40s, but like I don't think that word existed or was allowed to be spoken of either. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this personal journey for you. You know, I know that the lack of representation in Hollywood and in a lot of places, especially for Asians or Asian Americans, has been far below what should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so on this pitch, as you were telling people, you know, it took you five years. What did you have to go through to get past a lot of that? racial bias and and inability for people to see that this was actually something that people wanted? Um, I think with a lot of time with different buyers, you know, a lot of them, they, they're, they're kind of still worried about their jobs in a sense. They don't want to take a chance because it's never been done before. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why also why, I mean, it really kind of kickstarted. I really have to thank the movie Crazy Rich Asians because how well the movie did. And um, because of that, obviously Netflix with the global market gave us a chance I think it's also, you know, it's one project, one successful project hopefully can lead to another one. So Crazy Rich Asian paved the way for us and hopefully Blink Empire will pave the way for other all Asian cast shows. Yeah. So did you, when you, when people said no, did they give you that as the reason or were there just dumb excuses that you, you knew it was the reason, but they couldn't say it? Like, I, I feel like I equate it to, you know, a woman being pregnant in a pitch meeting with a VC and then they're like, but you're having a baby. How are you going to run a business? Yeah, it's kind of like they're like, we're interested. Um, we'll get back to you. This sounds good, but you know, da da da. It was never a firm no. Um, when yeah. Crazy Rich Asian came out and how 
amazing it did, how successful it did. You know, my phone at the time afterwards was ringing off the hooks because all these executives, producers that um, I pitched a project to before was calling me back, you know. Um, but and then at the, which was really great. At the time, Jeff Jenkins just uh, left his company. He was with uh, the company called Beeman Murray's uh, to start his own. So the timing was so perfect. And obviously, I think he's one of the best at what he does in this industry. So it just really, I, I think just timing and everything just lined up. Yeah. I think it's incredible. I think, you know, the book came out, then the movie, and then you guys came out. And I feel like it's it's this new groundswell of people realizing how much incredible talent exists out there if you actually just take take a risk. Yeah. I'm so curious, what kept you going? You know, five years is quite a long time. I feel like most people expect success in three months. Yeah. What were some of the ways you kept your North Star? You know, I think if you're passionate about something and you really believe in the project, um, you just have to keep fighting for it, especially, you know, in, in, in uh, the entertainment industry. Some movies take, you know, 10 years to get made. Um, one yeah. of the scripts I have, um, I mean, it took like five years just to write the script. But because I, but I think like, you know, good stories never die. And I think that good projects will just never die. I just have to keep fighting for it. Now that you have this visibility, not only do you have the visibility from being in the show, but then now obviously producers, executive producers, networks know of you and your talents. How do you now separate what people think of as your public persona with your actual producer, you know, the work you want to continue to do outside of Bling Empire? Yeah, it it kind of does. I think, you know, in a way... I don't think we can only be one version of ourselves. I think we can be multi-version of ourselves. And, you know, I could be, you know, quote unquote, a reality talent as well as a serial, a serious entrepreneur and a, a serious producer. I think nowadays you don't really need to just pick one lane. I think there's a, and it's a beautiful thing. I think now you can kind of have different versions of yourself, just like, you know, yourself, you're amazing designer, you're your supporter for women empowerment, you have this podcast, you're your mom, you know, your role model. So I think there's different titles nowadays that doesn't need to be quote unquote, we don't need to be just in one lane. No, that part I get. That part I fully agree with. I guess what I'm trying to get at is you have a what people perceive to you as someone on a show and the drama right. that ensues and right. the personal part of that is very much out there. Right. And then Second to that, you're producing and have a production company and, and mm. trying to get other projects. So how do you sort of approach that when people are like taking a meeting with you and they're like, oh, I just saw what happened with you and your boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like how do you – how have you approached that as a as a really powerful entrepreneur and having all of your public and personal life be so out there? I think you can't really – focus on that if that makes sense yeah. I think you know with my professional um I know I'm at the value that I can add for the project so you know if I walk in a room and they're thinking about all the personal drama I'm you know within hopefully within five ten minutes I'm able to, I'm able to show them that I still can add about a lot of values and I'm the right person to produce this project um because I think it's a little bit different right um and you know I'm grateful that I was able to show my personal side just because 
the amount of support and amount of um, almost a little community that kind of came together that people were able to share the same similar story as me. And they hopefully mm-hmm. with two and three coming out, they can find more power in it because that it's how I work through it. Right. We And then I think also the perception of that you have to be quote unquote perfect or that if your career is together, your personal life has to be together. Something like that. I think it's, you know, that's, that's old school where nowadays I think our, um, imperfection and our journey, our story is what people can really connect with. I love that. I, I totally agree. I just, um, I'm always curious when there's parts of people's lives that they never anticipate showing or having it be edited for TV, you know, and so I was just curious uh, with yeah. your approach to that. And I think one of the thing also for me was almost a little bit of relief, if that makes sense, where, you know, back Back when we're filming Blame Empire, my work was doing really well. My life was really together from the outside. But, you know, but my foundation, which is my home life, was just such a mess, you know, and then my mental health was a mess. And, you know, but the outside looking in, my life was so well together. And I was felt relieved almost to be able to put that out there. And like, it's kind of like, okay, this is the, the I guess, the, the thing I've been trying to hide. It's, it's finally out there. And then the amount of people that reached out is like, oh my God, I was going through the same thing or I am going through the same thing. How, how, how are you getting through this? It, it felt almost empowered. I felt empowered. I love that. And what do you tell people when they're reaching out? Like, what, what do you say that you've gleaned from this? You know, I, for me at that time, I, you know, I, I'm very honest. I'm like, hey, it's a, I'm still a work in progress, but I'm getting stronger and stronger every day. Um, and sometimes a lot of time we'll share books that I, that I read that I feel useful as well as, you know, podcasts and, um, and YouTube. There is a lot, a lot of knowledge out there for mental health. And I think if you seek it, it's out there. What do you do to detach? Where do you go for inspiration to relax? What sort of fuels you? I love being in nature. Also in the morning, I turn to, I tend to um, not turn my, phone on for the first hour I wake up and then um the and then the hour before bedtime to really kind of disconnect and um just being with self and being with you know being with me a lot of time I feel like with our society because and also work and I'm you know family you're getting dragged left and right um so much so many distractions and you don't really get time spent with yourself to check in with yourself um and it's funny because I always say that as like you know I lived with, with myself for 30 plus years and I just realized I really don't even know myself. So now that I make sure that I have the time for myself to turn off from all electronics, going on walks and being in nature, um, meditate, all that stuff is so great. That's so good. My husband just told me I needed to disconnect from social media. And I think I think knowing that you can do it for an hour before bed every night, I should probably get on that train. <laughs> Uh, it's when I read all the news and my husband's like, why do you go to bed after reading all this bad news? So Yeah, I, I can't watch news <laughs> right before bed. <laughs> I know, it's, it contributes to my nightmares. Um, so what's next for you? What projects are you excited about? What are you working on? Um, right now, you know, we have, we just shot 16 episodes actually. So it's going to roll out for Playing Empire. And as far as the producing side goes, I shot a little... Um, feature during COVID. Um, so that one we're in the finishing stage for editing. And then uh, also another documentary that's uh, on 70s rock and roll music. 
that's about to finish as well. I think for me, like right now is that the biggest thing is, is time. So for the future, I just really want to pick projects that I'm really passionate about, projects that I love true stories, just because I think there's so many amazing stories out there that nobody knows about, story that's inspiring and that's empowering and just, um, you know, we don't need to quote unquote make up. There's these are real stories. So I'm going to keep focusing on that. And then also just uh, keeping the best version of myself, continue therapy, and then one of the big things that I'm trying to work on is maintaining a work-life balance. That it's okay to say no and it's okay to have these boundaries. Okay, like, hey, after on Sundays I don't work or after 8 p.m. I don't work, setting these boundaries for myself. So tell me some of the boundaries because I'm sure it'll help trigger other women to begin thinking about this. Yeah, I used to work, you know, entrepreneur in your 20s. You know, I used to work 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm never off my phone. I'm connected all the time. I will answer emails. If you email me at 3 a.m., I'll probably answer it. But now, you know, I realize how important it is to have a balance and, um, you know, and it's not good for my mental health. So nowadays on Sundays, I don't work. Um, and everybody kind of knows that if they, they can still message me, email me, you know, on Sundays if they want, but I don't respond till till Monday. And then around, you know, 7 p.m., I just shut off when it works. I actually got two phones now. So I have one work phone, one personal phone. So my personal phone, you know, if my mom wants to reach me and all that stuff, my work phone um, at a certain hour, I just turn off. And then my personal phone, literally, there's no social media. There's there's no apps on it, pretty much. Just literally text message and, and phone call and you can call. So I think setting these boundaries and setting time for your family is so important. Um you know, because end of the day, I think family is the most important thing. And if you, it doesn't matter how much it's great to be successful, um, but it doesn't matter how much you have, you know, the materialistic things, you can't really take that with you. So um, what really matters is, uh, you know, having great relationships with your family, kids and close friends. So yeah, those are my little, I guess, my boundaries of just, just, just know when to turn off. Yeah, for sure. With Bling Empire and the success of it. I'm curious if you've seen more understanding and tolerance. I know there has been so much anti-Asian, anti-Asian American hatred uh, mm. and violence yeah. in the last couple of years. Have you seen things improve or just more opportunities for people? I actually haven't seen it improve. You know, I think last year, uh, mass media has reported a lot, um, you know, more. But nowadays, it kind of slowed down, even though the crime rate hasn't really stopped. So, um, you know, and I still only the, the news outlet that's more Asian focused has been reporting them. But it's literally still going on every single day. And it's very, very yeah. unfortunate. And the problem, obviously, is that... Um, a lot of them, I think the crime rate is just that there's no consequences. Um, there's still, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of a, a lot of things that needs to be changed and a, a lot of awareness people need to have because majority, you know, lots, I, I posted something, you know, in my social, on my social media, um, you know, about some Asian hate crimes and majority of people, they do care. It's just that they never even heard about it because they're, they're not aware of it. So, um, you know, it's still something, you know, Asian Americans, we still have to fight for every day. And it's very um, unfortunate, you know, with my, especially with like my mom, my grandma, they live in Chicago and Chicago Chinatown is doing really, really bad right now. Um, I get really worried when they, when they go outside and um, when they go to something as grocery store, going to the bank, the everyday activities, 
um, I get worried because you just never know what happens. And, you, and um, you know, I'm just hoping that this year can uh, make a change and hopefully that um, more and more people are become aware of these issues and be able to speak out and be able to do something about it. Are there organizations you think people should know about in order to learn more or volunteer or donate? Um, I would I, I helped kickstart this um, um, organization's initiative called um, the organization called Hate as a Virus. And um, um, we had a, a community action fund that um, I helped kickstart. And, you know, it, it, so Hate as a Virus is a great one. Stop AAPI. Um, you know, so there's more and more organizations popping up. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's not something we can change you know, tomorrow, next week, next year. But I know that if we just take little steps here and there, because end of the day, I don't, it's not even about, you know, like different, any races, just hate crime period for all races. It's oh, just, it's, sure. it's not, it's not, you know, it's, this is not what we're about, right? Human as a race, end of the day, we're all, we're all human. We should all look at this, you know, we should all fight these things together. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that obviously, um, you saw an incredible movement around Black Lives Matter. Um, mm-hmm. And then even as a Jewish person, right, the hate crimes, the violence for Jewish people, yeah. anti-Semitism is at an all-time high. And with what you you have experienced in obviously the AAPI community, it's almost like we all need to band together and have our own, ha- have a little bit more awareness. Because I feel like sometimes yeah. you're right, the media stops talking about it and people think it goes away. Yeah, yeah. So not to move aside from that serious and important of a topic, but I do like to ask all my guests, you know, something we'd be surprised to know about you, a habit, a quirk, something maybe the show got wrong that you want to correct that people would be surprised about. Mm, okay. Let's see. Um, I'm actually pretty shy and I'm, I'm an introvert. I'd rather be home <laughs> in my pajamas okay. than be all glammed out outside at events and parties. So I will pick being home in my pajamas any day. <laughs> so I guess that's how did a little you get surprising. used to the camera if you're shy? Like, how did you, how did you settle with that? You just get used to it and you just realize, you just pretend they're not even there. And also our crew is so amazing. Honestly, like, you know, after the camera stopped rolling, I'm just joking around with the crew and, you know, so they make things very comfortable. Um, but I think from the people's perception of Bling Empire and also all the events, also the glam, you know, those are fun. But for me, I'd rather any day, I'd rather stay home in my pajamas. How do you deal with the drama? Like I see the like the dynamics that go on between you guys. And I just, I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, this is like a cat fight 24 seven. I could never mentally exist in that type of environment. So how do you deal with it? The funny thing with me is that, you know, if you, you know, season one, also season two and three, if you kind of look at it, I tend to really stay out of the dramas just because in real life I I, I am, you know, I'm, I am this way. Like, you know, like if obviously I'm there for my friends, if they need help, they need support, but I tend not to get too into the drama, especially like, you know, the ones I think is very silly. Um, just cause yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm too busy with my work. I'm too busy with other things right now, you know, to, to get too involved. Um, but it is draining, you know, but end of the day, I, I think like, uh, and these dramas are not like, they're, they're real. They're real dramas. If you put, you know, you put, put a group of people together, like all the time, they're dramas that's going to happen because different personalities. So for me personally, I tend to stay out of it and I've been doing a pretty good job, but let's see how future goes. Well, I give you props because I, I would get, I would just crawl away and say, you win, I lose. <laughs> so 
give you props for that. Um, and then my last question for you is, do you have any good advice that you've either learned yourself and would like to pass on or someone gave to you that you feel like have been helpful in shaping your success? Mm, I think, you know, one of the big thing for me is that walk in a room like you belong there and have confidence in yourself. I think a lot of time as women, um, you or women entrepreneurs sometimes when you when you go into a meeting or a situation, people have a preconcept notion about who you are because you're a woman, right? But just don't let other people's judgment or you know their their vision of you or their thoughts of you become your reality. Because at the end of the day, you should know your own self worth and know what you bring to the table. I love that. Um, where can people follow you? Find out about the projects you're up to. Obviously, we know we can watch you on Bling Empire. I think Instagram is probably the easiest thing. I'm, I'm, I still don't get TikTok. I don't get any other stuff yet. So it's just at Kelly Neely at Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. And um, I can't wait to see season two and three. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been so fun. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.